This is Weirdly Enough, your regular podcast for strange stories and amazing facts. Delivered straight to your favorite podcast directory and at weirdlyenough.com. Now, here are your hosts, Andy and Len. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Weirdly Enough, your weekly uh, slice of all that's weird here, coming to you through your podcasting system, wherever you get your podcasts. You can search and subscribe to Weirdly Enough. We're also on YouTube, and if uh, rumors are to be believed, we're on smart speakers, although I don't own a smart speaker, because not that I'm a conspiracy nut, but I think those things are listening to you all the time. What do you think? Could be, but like Alexa. Yeah, well, that, that's what yeah, that's what a smart speaker is, Alexa. Uh, and the home pods and all those things. I don't know, maybe not. Uh, but anyway, we're back again. And this week, it's all about what was it all about? Doomsday preppers. Doomsday preppers. I love that. There's a lot of stuff on like Discovery Channel and National Geographic and all about preppers and doomsday preppers and a lot of uh, novels and books as well uh, about the subject. And of course, when the pandemic all started, people were running out, like panic buying toilet roll and stupid things like that. And the, the shelves were empty of what flour and all sorts of different things. So uh, it kind of made sense to have a few essentials put by. Well, the thing is, I mean, the whole kind of doomsday proper thing, it's been around really since the Cold War. Um, and there's been various things that have sort of spurred it on over the years, like, you know, like the oil crisis in the 1970s and things yeah. like that. Um, and recently, I mean, there's been the whole COVID-19 thing, which has probably got a lot of people thinking about, you know, how, you know, propping is maybe a possibly a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. but there's an interesting thing I came across on YouTube. Um, Atlas Survival Shelters. The guy's got a really good, interesting, um, YouTube channel and his whole thing is it's, there's a lot of talk about, you know, in the media about, you know, bunkers, you know, for the, you know, the, the elite, you know, bunkers that cost like, you know, millions and millions of pounds. Yes. But this guy is, it's supposed to be, um, shelters for, for the ordinary working man. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so you've got things like, um, a standard sort of eight by 12 foot, uh, bunker, which costs about 49 thousand dollars right uh, i don't know what that would be in pounds but i don't think it's you know is it flat packed then basically yeah they they dig it out um uh-huh. and they basically sort of assemble it it's just in like it best i suppose it basically is like a flat pack sort of thing yeah. you know uh-huh. um and then they kind of fill it on it's pretty good now the one i like is the hillside retreat bunker which right. i think is the biggest one and it's it's 119 uh 999 and do you need a uh hillside to put it into then no really no it's just it's just a big one it's uh-huh. 10 foot wide by 51 feet long right and seven feet from four to ceiling so it's uh-huh. quite a, it's quite a big one you know yeah uh-huh. uh seems quite affordable um uh, another good youtube channel i think worth checking out is a guy called canadian proper and he seems to be big into economics you know, like things like talking about oh the common crush, yeah, and uh-huh. things like that. And he's big on the climate change. He's worried about you know the droughts and things like that. And um, there's a lot of interest and stuff about you know like dried food and uh-huh. you know what's the best way to kind of preserve things and, and things like that. You know, um, uh, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. Um, An but, interesting thing I heard about bunkers recently was yeah. uh, Nick Frost, uh, the guy that does all the. Uh, Hot Fuzz and, and those kind of movies works with Simon Pegg. Uh, I was reading his autobiography. He talked about being on kibbutz in, yeah. um, in Israel uh, and they were right up against the Syrian border and, and there was an escalation of um, 
conflict between the two sides, let's say. And they had a bunker which they went into if there was an airstrike. Yeah, yeah. But the policy was if it's an invasion by the other forces, they wouldn't go to the bunker. They would go to their own dormitories because the idea was they could kill everybody in the bunker really easily by, by throwing a gr- grenade down oh, you know, right, yeah, an yeah. air shoot or something. Whereas if they were all in different dormitories, it was take longer to, to get round them all. Well, it's an interesting thing because it, there's a bit of controversy in the whole survivalist community about whether bunkers are a good idea or not. Yeah. Because I suppose, I think some people think it, it could lead to a false sense of security. Uh-huh. And the problem is they're all well and good until people find out yeah, until where they, they are. Like, the thing is, yes, you could have a bunker in your backyard, uh-huh. theoretically, but, like, everybody's going to know about it. Yeah. So what yeah. happens if something did go down? Because it would be like, if you ever see, there's a, a famous, um, what was that, Twilight Zone? Uh-huh. I think it was Twilight Zone. It was a famous old Twilight Zone episode where it was like exactly that scenario. Right. Where it was like you had people hammering. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was like, it turned out to be a false alarm, but they were like hammering at the door of this kind of shelter. And it was this whole kind of big, kind of moral dilemma kind of thing, you know? Yeah. There's a show on Netflix actually called Doomsday Preppers. I've watched a few yeah. episodes of that. And it's a bit ridiculous because the people go onto it and are, are rated on how good or bad their, uh, their bunkers are. Um, but when you actually go in and, and, you know, they take a tour around and they tell you where the bunkers are located and all that kind of thing. So it's a bit pants. And at the end of it, they all sit around going, hmm. Yeah, they, they get reviewed on how good or bad their bunker is. But they've given the game away, really, haven't they? Uh, it was a TV series from 2011 to 2014, Doomsday Preppers. They are. The interesting thing about that guy, Atlas Survival Shelters, he adopts a very scientific approach to things because he talks about you, you need to design things slightly differently depending on where you are. Right. Because... If you're up in Alaska or somewhere like that, you need to go a bit deeper. Yeah. Because the soil freezes to a certain depth. Okay. Uh-huh. So you need to kind of, you know, like to avoid issues with that, you need to go way a bit deeper and things like that. Under the permafrost. Under the permafrost, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. But then uh, once you're in your bunker, then I suppose there's. What do you do? Well, what do you do? You sit around, how do you entertain yourself? Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, um, it's. it's the thing that kind of I always think about in principle, it sounds like a good idea, but when you actually see these things, how small they actually are, yes, and how you kind of cl- I mean, you've seen with the whole thing, um, uh, people you know trying to get through lockdowns and stuff like that with COVID 19, uh-huh. and you're still able to walk about and you've still got a Netflix and you know you can order up your takeaways and like that, you know, you wouldn't have those here luxuries yeah. if it was a real if it was a, if the bomb had dropped and the you're bomb, something down the, there and then the problem is what do you do afterwards yes you know once you're you know you're you're dried supplies have kind of run out you know i'd always heard though the the theory was that the government wouldn't help send any help for about two weeks two weeks yeah so you want to stay down there for two weeks and if you survive then perhaps you know making some contact with the outside world would be the next uh the next effort that you'd make but those two weeks would fairly drag on well that's like the thing you know like the life that protect and survive i yes. was supposed to be yeah. supposed, you're, you're supposed to prepare yourself for about 14 days worth okay um, now there's a lot of good lingo um, to do with Dimsday Preppers yeah. um, such as the Bob the B.O.B. the Bug Out Bag <laughs> uh, and that's supposed to be a pack containing everything you need to leave your home and never return right okay so um, yeah I'm quite interested by the idea of, uh, I've, I've sort of got a Bug Out Bag myself have you? Yeah, well, not like a proper one right like uh-huh. you know just a wee rucksack just with a few kind of essentials and under the bed yeah, yeah, just ready to go. Cans, t- stuff ten, kick, tens of beans. Off. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Another good one I like is uh, the Golden Horde. 
Right. And uh-huh. this is basically the idea that, and this is the thing that would worry me in any kind of scenario, if society breaks down, it's over people. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, it's the golden uh-huh. horde. It's over people who want your stuff uh-huh. and want you. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, you know what I mean? That's, uh-huh. that's where, where it could get quite kind of scary. They're coming after you. And um, there's one, Tetawangi, which is T-E-O-T-W-A-W-K-I, the end of the world as we know it. Oh, right. That's what it means. Yeah. Right. Um, and Y-O, Y-O, you're on your own. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all quite interesting. Like, you know. Um, do you know there's actually, I don't know if it's like a metaphorical thing, but there's actually people now preparing for zombie apocalypses. Yeah. Uh, well, but, I suppose we have had this virus, so maybe there could be a virus that uh, turns them all into zombies. Yeah. So, so why not? Yeah. But uh, the thing about the whole... I mean, the thing that probably got me first interested in the whole thing was Jeremy years ago, Lee Frey yes, did uh-huh. like a thing called Weird Wigans and he was examining kind of, you know, strange subcultures and yeah, uh-huh. and all the rest of it. Um, and he, he, he visited a survivalist site out in the, you know, I think it was like Utah or something yeah, like that. Uh-huh. Or somewhere like that it was actually quite an interesting one. Like, um, now, there's a lot of references to survivalism in popular culture. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the film Deliverance? Um, yeah, yes, I have. Yeah, I think so. It sort yeah. of taps into um, survivalist films. Uh, one of the main characters is a guy called Lewis Medlock. Um, he's played in the film by Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. and he's a, a self-proclaimed survivalist. And he, in his worldview, he argues machines are going to fail. And the system is going to fail, and then survival. He has the ability to survive. That's the game, survival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suppose if you think about the kind of what happens in that film, it is very sort of, you know, it's almost like that golden horse. Survival, of you know? course, yeah. Uh, another good one is um, the 1984 film Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen that? That's quite good. Red Dawn. I've it's, heard of it. Yeah, I think. It's no, a, I don't know. It's about so, random. It's basically like America's kind of invaded by the commies. Yeah. Uh-huh. And these high school students like fight back and again it taps into sort of survivalist films. Uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, John Connor's mum, Sarah Connor, uh, has become a bit of a survivalist and she's, if you remember, she stores all her weapons in this week kind of underground yes. cash, you uh-huh. know, and she's adopted a very sort of survivalist kind of mindset, you know, crops up everywhere. I mean, even if you remember that film falling down, whenever your man um, goes on a sort of rampage across LA uh, and he comes across a guy and a, not a very nice guy, but a guy in a, a squeak kind of, I suppose you call it a, a army surplus kind of shop, he's yeah, a kind of survivalist uh-huh. type, you know. Um, and there's, there's an interesting one here um, I've never seen, but it looks actually quite good. Made in 2015 um, in Northern Ireland called The Survivalist. Uh, and it features a protagonist who survives in a time of starvation in Northern Ireland for his use of tools, resources, and strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film was unusual that all the characters depicted in the film are survivalists, as there has been a rapid period of population decline, and only the most resourceful survive. So basically, you know, it's got the stage where you know the survivalists are the only ones that really there left. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, so yeah, that's there's a huge amount of uh, video games that, that feature kind of survivalists yeah, yeah. And, and preppers. Uh, the Last of Us, The Last of Us 2 came out a while, a while back there. Uh, there's a, a video game of Mad Max Biomutant, uh, Enslaved, obviously, the West, the Fallout series. There's a few Fallouts, um, and they're all about kind of having bunkers and, and being survivalists. An awful, it's a big thing in, in video games, I suppose. It, 
lends itself well to running around zapping things and, yeah, all, yeah. and zombies coming. There was a good zombie one as well where you you did run around. Uh, days gone, that was it. Yeah, you ran around and tried to get zombies all in a big area and then blew them all up with gas and stuff. That was that was quite fun. Do you know anything about celebrity preppers? No, I don't. Actually, that's quite interesting. Oh, well, Richard Madeley is a is a famous yeah. celebrity prepper. Apparently, he said on this morning a few times that he's he's I prepping. Know. I don't know if Judy is as well, but yeah, they've got a few tins under the bed. Um, but I find this website here, readywise.com, and this is a, a your your go to place if you want to to become a prepper. You can buy your freeze dried meats, freeze dried vegetables, freeze dried fruits, all that dairy, every everything like that. Um, they have an emergency. Uh, 60 serving meat bucket there it is there 220 dollars 219 dollars uh, or you can buy it with interest-free payments now that's what i would do because if you knew it was coming you know the apocalypse yeah, yeah, yeah. was coming next month you have to pay 55 and you wouldn't have to pay the other the other uh three payments so that's the way to do it but yeah they these celebrity um preppers apparently roseanne barr uh, as uh, she's tweeted the markets should organize with their neighbors to grow nutritious food and store water and other essentials. Nathan Fillion, don't know who that is, uh, from uh, Firefly and Castle. Zoe Duchanel, I know you like her. Oh. Zoe Duchanel, she was in New Girl. I think she was in that, uh, what's that thing called, the Christmas one? Elf. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Rhonda Rousey, who's a UFC fighter. Ryan Seacrest, The Walton Family. Um, a few others on the on the list as well. So yeah, it seems to be something uh, uh, that the, the famous people go for. You know, I suppose if you have a bit of money, why not? But you say you say everybody used to kind of mug because I remember that Doomsday Prepper show. There's always an element of kind of mockery to a certain extent. Yes, but uh, after what happened, especially last year, yeah, uh-huh. I think it's maybe possibly. I mean, I, I, I think even the, the the term prepper maybe it's just good to have stuff set aside just in case yeah. <laughs> because like you kind of looking back you kind of think what well, would have been handy to have toilet roll yeah <laughs> been handy uh, all, you know what I mean? uh, all those copies in the news of the world yeah yeah that came in handy in the end um yeah and, uh, but the big thing during lockdown one i wish i'd um prepped with was fans paint because i, I found I had nothing to do, and I was looking at the fence going, oh, I could paint that, but the yeah. door's open. So maybe that's the thing to prep with, just in case the shop's closed for a couple of weeks. You can have something to do. During the yeah, day. it's that idea of sort of, you because know, I remember like getting a text message from somebody, and they were panicking because they couldn't get Paris Animal. Yeah. <laughs> and they bind oh, to like, all. Oh, this was in like March 2020, uh-huh. and they they bind to all these shops for like miles around and couldn't get Paris Animal. Mm. Camus just completely out of power. Everywhere was out of it, but I, I find there was a shop in the docks. Yeah, yeah. That, that it down in, in, uh, in Belfast docks. You could could have got it. other docks are available, of course. Uh, but there you go, Doomsday Preppers. Any more info, any more uh, on the Doomsday Preppers? No, I think that's pretty much wrapped it up. That's pretty much it. Uh, we'll be back with our, uh, weirdly enough, snippets in just a little bit. We did a podcast a number of weeks ago there about uh, the number stations and big thank you to the author of the Tolworth Bacon, Hugh uh, Langridge, Langridge, uh, sorry, Hugh, who uh, sent us a copy of his book. I'm going through it at the minute. It's really good. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's called the Tolworth Bacon. Uh, if you have Kindle, it's on Kindle Unlimited or you can you can pay for a paperback copy, $3.99 on Amazon or uh, pay for a Kindle edition as well. It, it's good. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll lend it to you and maybe give a bit of a review, but uh, I'm enjoying that book so far, the Tolworth 
uh, Began. Hugh has uh, written a lot of other books as well, and you can see them all on on Amazon and, and book clubs like that. I don't know what other sites uh, are out there. Um, so uh, yeah, you're listening to weirdly enough. Call of the no no that's what we used to call it. sorry no <laughs> when we were on radio and then we got yeah. chucked off the radio yeah uh, which was pity no it wasn't um but uh, no I'm thinking oh yeah this is called weird shorts this little segment it yeah, comes yeah, out yeah. at the end of the main po- podcast and then you can get it on a Friday as well called weird shorts uh, so it seems not to just be humans who like to get high apparently dolphins have been known to be some of the most intelligent species on the planet. And scientists now believe the mammals have found an ingenious way to get high. Yes, that's mm. right. Juvenile dolphins have been seen playing with a certain type of puffer fish, which releases a nerve toxin when provoked. Uh, large doses of the toxin would be lethal to dolphins. However, a small amount of the chemical released by the fish appears to send dolphins into a trance. Uh, so what they do, they, they annoy it just a little bit. Right. And it releases a small amount of the toxin and then they get high and go... In that fun, you know, the way right. dolphins do. The discovery is made by producers of a new BBC One documentary called Dolphins Spy in the Pod. Have you seen those other spy camera shows that the BBC do where they oh, have like, my, yeah, a yeah. fake penguin? Yeah. And it looks totally fake, but the other penguins are fooled by it. Yeah, uh, I think it's David Tennant usually voiceovers, does the voiceover for that. I've seen this around quite a few times, but did you know that cats are scared of cucumbers? I didn't know that. Uh, this is something I've seen doing the rounds on social media for a while where people place cucumbers near their feline friends to produce uh, a startling response or startled response. Uh, I must say, in the interest of science, they did try it with my own cat, but I find it didn't work. Uh, and the reason that it happens, a certified animal behavioralist called Jill Goldman told the National Geographic magazine that she believes they may believe the cucumbers are snakes. Uh, of course there's no snakes in Ireland so that's why my cat maybe didn't react because he's no fool and he, he doesn't know what a snake is so he's no conception of what a snake is it's not within his lexicon you might call it uh, and this is a fellow here called Joe Kibble uh, I love a story that I guess 39 year old civil service co- civil servant completed the journey to see how far he could travel from London by bus in one day so he travelled a total of 260 miles from the English capital to the town of Morecambe in Lancashire, and he documented the entire journey on, on Twitter. The journey cost us £56, and he set off at 3am, taking in, in sites including the Peak District, the Delights of Slough, and Preston's amazing brutalist bus station. The journey took nearly two, uh, 21 and a half hours, and he was allowed to, to spend a well-earned night uh, in a hotel then in Morecambe at the end of it. But I'm thinking 260 miles. It's not really that far in 24 hours. Not really, no. Kind of wonder, uh, could you not have gone? I have at least uh, got the Scotland in that time. Although I guess he's using buses rather than coaches, so that's what's going on. Anyway, thank you for listening. to Weirdly enough, uh, we'll be back again next week. What What's it all about then? Uh, creepy pasta. Right. Well, we'll ask you what that is uh, when we come back. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Weirdly Enough. Remember to subscribe to get the latest edition as soon as it drops. And don't forget to leave a review. Email us about anything we've discussed or with your own weird tale at podcast at weirdlyenough.com.